It's Wednesday, so you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. Hey, you can listen to me any day of the week. You can listen online at WRTFM.org, at the A Public Affair podcast, or on the WORT smartphone app. If you like what you hear, click the donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab my mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard. Hello, everybody, and welcome. It's uh, Wednesday here, August 10th, so that means you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird, and I want to remind you, you are listening to A Public Affair on volunteer-powered, listener-sponsored community radio, WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. We have a fabulous show lined up today. We're going to take a exhale breather from election season. Don't worry, it'll ramp back up because it's always election season. But hope everyone had a good time of voting yesterday uh, yesterday, and uh, we uh, have exciting election results to talk about. We'll get to that in a future show. Today I want to talk about what happens every year in August, the big move. The big move and landlord and tenants moving around and Uh, Changing apartments, it's sort of a traditional thing that the turnover happens this time of the year around UW-Madison, but it's really bigger than just UW-Madison. It it has spread out into the entire city of Madison that very, very often leases end around August 15th and leases start around August 16th. We have changes that are happening with the city. The city has uh, changed the way they deal with rent abatement for tenants. And that's such an important aspect of tenant landlord issues that we really wanted to highlight it. And I am so grateful that our guest actually reached out to me and said, you want to talk about this. I want to be on your show because your listeners need to know. So we so appreciate it when the community reminds us that these are important conversations to have. And so our guest today is David Sparrow. He's also known as Rosebud. He's a housing attorney, and he's the chair of the Landlord and Tenant Issues Committee for the City of Madison. Hey, Rosebud, how you doing? Hi there, Carousel. I'm doing well today. It's so great to yeah. have you here. Rosebud and I worked together for a handful of years and then uh, w- went in different directions, but it's always good to you know, Rose, but like the voice of calm and reason, you're a litigator and you're just the most reasonable, calm, calm litigator there is. The ideal, I, I aspire, we should all aspire to be just like Rosebud. So mm-hmm. in your fabulous litigator, but calm and reasoned voice, talk to us about mm-hmm. what is, first of all, what is rent abatement? Well, uh, rent abatement is, you know, so abatement means a reduction. Uh, rent, you know, rent is rent. So it's a it's a program about reduction of rent. Uh, and under the state law, uh, if the, your landlord is not keeping your place in proper repair, uh, then your rent reduces uh, to the extent you are deprived of the full normal use. Uh, that's what the state law says. Uh, and in the city of Madison, a number of years ago, uh, we adopted an ordinance and created this whole process and have staff running it and hearing examiners and everything. Uh, so that rather than being left with just that one sentence for helping uh, tenants understand how their rent uh, is reduced if the landlord won't keep the place in repair, uh, we have a whole process in the city that uh, makes it very clear, uh, you know, how much you're allowed to deduct, when you deduct, how you get your money, uh, and it's way quicker than going through small claims court uh, to sue about it. And it's really sort of the gold standard. I feel that, you know, in, in your legal practice and in my legal practice, working with um, tenants mostly, but also with landlords, when there are issues that come up with rent abatement or, you know, there's mold in my apartment or the the heat didn't work or all these issues that could rise to rent abatement, even when I'm not in the city of Madison, the city of Madison standard is the, the one I, I, I cite to when I'm arguing for tenants in 
you know, Fitchburg and Monona and Verona because it's so comprehensive. Do, do you get that? Do people realize in Madison what an anomaly it is to have such detailed and thorough uh, outlining of what rent abatement is? Well, I don't know if people realize it, but but it is true that it's very detailed. And um, yeah, so uh, for people's information, the, the city building code has all these rules, like you actually have to have a toilet. Uh, you know, you have to uh, have screens on your windows so you can open your windows and have ventilation. Uh, you know, you can't have electrical outlets that are going to shock you and injure you, you know, all sorts of things like that. Uh, and in Madison, in the uh, city ordinance about landlord tenant uh, rules, uh, there's a whole section on rent abatement. And for every single building code uh, requirement that long ago it was agreed that should qualify for some sort of rent reduction. Uh, for every one of those, there is a, a range. Like, so it says, you know, for this kind of problem, five to 25% off your rent. For this kind of problem, 50 to 75% off your rent. Uh, and, and that's really clear. And then the program, um, just uh, helps determine like, so if it's five to 25% off, well, do you get five, do you get 10, do you get 25? How much do you get off? Right, right. Um, and I, I can talk more about how the whole thing works. Yeah, well, and tell us then, how does, how does rent abatement and a building inspector even get involved? What does the building inspector department do for the city of Madison? Yeah, the building inspectors, uh, if, if you call them up and uh, make a complaint, uh, then they will come out to your house uh, and, you know, look at what you're saying as a problem. Uh, and uh, generally speaking, uh, if you call them and have them come out, uh, they're not going to, you know, like say you say my kitchen sink is leaking all over and it's creating puddles in the kitchen. Uh, they'll come and look at that, but while they're there, they'll look throughout the house at everything, too. And then they uh, write up an order, uh, and it'll say, you know, here's all the things we found wrong, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, and for each one of them, uh, then it'll say, all right, landlord, here's when this has to be repaired. Here's your deadline. Uh, a very typical deadline is 30 days. Uh, but for things that are more serious, like no heat in the winter, uh, can be as short as 24 hours. And, um, and then that is uh, given to the landlord uh, in a you know formal fashion. And then that, that's the order from the city telling them that they have to do it. And I like that how you started this conversation of, you know, you call and make a complaint. In fact, it used to be that call and make a complaint was one way, but also uh, the city building inspector could s sort of follow up on their own with reason for maybe they heard from uh, other individuals in the community, but not a tenant, or maybe they saw passing the building, or maybe they've had a history with this landlord before and wanted to do an inspection on other properties of the landlord they used to be able to independently do that now they cannot the way to trigger their involvement is to make a phone call complaint is that accurate right it, it used to be that the inspectors kind of moved through the city on a schedule which i don't i can't remember how long it took maybe it took two years three years to get through the whole city uh, and they would just go to every property in such and such neighborhood and just check them out and make sure they were in good repair. And the state legislature adopted a statute prohibiting cities from doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so now the, you know, the building inspectors can only go out if somebody calls and makes a complaint. Gotcha. So, uh, and you don't cost anything at all. Yep. You, know, you just make a phone call. Um, that's, that's all you got to do. And then they'll come out and do the inspection. 
And then the way it works is uh, you, you, uh, you know, the inspector comes out, they issue an order. It'll say, have these repairs completed by date such and such. And then the inspectors will come back out uh, like, you know, the day after the deadline or two days after uh, and, you know, go back through and see, you know, is everything fixed or isn't it? Uh, How and, does rent abatement fit into this too? Mm -hmm. uh, so if the inspector finds that something is fixed by the deadline, then they mark it off all fixed by the deadline. Uh, if instead they find that, you know, the deadlines come and gone and, you know, that toilet still doesn't work, uh, then they issue uh, a finding that it hasn't been repaired. Now the current program uh, says that when that happens, the city then sends out a notice to the tenant and publishes it in the newspaper too, saying, you know, this apartment on, you know, East Johnson uh, is entitled to abatement. Uh, and then uh, the tenant can then get in touch with the city, you know, they give you the phone number and everything. And you can apply to have a hearing at which the hearing examiner will decide, uh, you know, it's, it's like a range of five to 25%. Uh, do you get 5%? Do you get 25? Do you get 20? What, what do you get? Gotcha. Uh, that's the current, uh, sort of the current process. And you could only uh, get rent abatement if the landlord didn't fix by the, by the deadline. So it wasn't at the first issuance of the complaint. It was, you know, up, up to the time that the landlord had to fix it. If after that, there still was a, the problem persisting. That's when rent abatement would be triggered. Is that correct? Correct. That's right. Uh, but if it is triggered, then it's retroactive to the date of the inspection. So I wanted to talk to you about that. Talk to us about what were some of the changes and why did the, um, I want to get the name right, the Landlord and Tenant Issues Committee for the City of Madison, uh, why did they decide that it was time to make changes to the process? Right. Well, we had a equity analysis done of our entire uh, program uh, and a number of uh, city departments and committees are having equity analysis uh, process uh, performed. Uh, so we had that, uh, you know, it, it involved having a number of people from the community and from different advocacy groups uh, come in and talk to us about our programs and give us feedback and input about, you know, well, is this really working or are the low income communities not actually being served, even though you are hoping to serve them? Or, you know, is there somehow an imbalance uh, based on racial background of the, the people you're working with or mm -hmm. that whole analysis? And so it was a, as a result of that, that yeah, what'd we, you find? Uh, came up with this change. Uh, and the change uh, is pretty dramatic um, because uh, under the change, which has already been approved by the city council, uh, under the change, uh, instead of the tenant having to uh, come in and apply for a hearing and go through the whole hearing process before they get any uh, remedy uh, under the new process uh, when the building inspector says, you know, I came out and inspected and these things have not been done by the due date, then abatement just automatically starts. And uh, the order that gets issued is not that the tenant may apply. The order is that the tenant is entitled to abate starting right away. Wow. Uh, and the landlord then has the right to come in and say, oh, wait a minute, I want to have a hearing about this. I think that's wrong, or I think the amount is too high, or the start date is too early, or, you know, whatever the issues might be. Um, so if the landlord disputes it, they have to go through the whole hearing process and initiate everything 
not the tenant. So now in response, if the landlord hasn't fixed it by a certain time, it used to be, hey, notice to landlord and tenant, this hasn't been fixed. You talked about publishing the newspaper. Um, so now the tenant may apply for rent abatement, qualifies for rent abatement, and may go through this process. That's the old way. The new way is going to be when that notice comes out that this hasn't been fixed, this hasn't been remedied, it is the tenant qualifies for rent abatement. And then does it assign a specific percentage? Because like you said, there are percentage ranges and they do say, right, lack of heat can get you up to 50%, up to 90%, depending on how how long it was persisting, what the temperature was, all these different numbers. So does it assign an official percent right then and there so that the tenant has notification of how much rent they're supposed to pay? Yeah, that's that's what we have wow. set up as. is. So the, the way we have it set up is there's still the range, uh, but this initial order telling the tenant they can abate is set at the highest part of the range. Wow, okay. Always. Always. And always at the top. And the landlord can say, hey, I want a hearing on this. I think that's too high. Um, and, and then there's a hearing, and a hearing examiner will decide. Um, but it starts out at the top. And Rosebud, I feel like when I talk to tenants, one of the issues that comes up frequently is this was a problem long before I called the building inspector, right? In general, the building inspector is not your first call. Your first call is, hey, your example, hey, there's a leak on the sink. Every time I run the kitchen sink, the kitchen is then covered in water. Landlord, will you fix this? And right, most of the time landlords right. do, right? Landlords are good people, tenants are good people, right? Most of the time they go, yep, sorry about that leak and I'll get someone out there and the problem gets resolved. Sometimes it doesn't, or they try and resolve it and say, hey, it didn't get fixed. You thought you fixed it, but here it is again, two weeks later, so starting again or whatever. So part of the challenges I had when I was representing tenants was saying, hey, don't go to Madison, City of Madison rent abatement process, because that will only get you from the time you filed, um, you contacted the building inspector. And if something was so far back, I thought it would be better to go through litigation where you can have a more detailed conversation. But one of the changes you've made, uh, not you personally, the city of Madison has made, Rosebud, is it sounds like there's now an option within the city of Madison rent abatement process to go further back. Is that true? And tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so huge. That's, that's uh, one of the changes also. Um, and so the way that that comes into play is the initial order by the building inspection department saying, you know, tenant, you're entitled to abatement because it wasn't repaired. That just goes back to the date of the inspection. Okay. But if the tenant uh, wants to say, well, I had this problem for five months before I called the inspector and I want to get abatement for that as well, uh, then the tenant can ask for a hearing instead of the landlord and where that would be the issue is it should go back earlier. And, and that so can be an issue. They could they could be successful on that now if they bring evidence. Right. And am I correct right. that that wasn't something that was ever an option before? That's right. Uh, previously, it, it only went back to the date of inspection no matter how long it was a problem. Uh, but now it can go back to as long as it was a problem. But the tenant will have to prove it really was a problem for all that time. Uh, but if they can, then they can get abatement for that whole period of time. That That's huge. Rose, I mean, that change, I feel like that changes the process of, of whether now someone now doesn't have to go through litigation and go through, even if it's the small claims court, it's still a litigation process. They can go through the more accessible and, um, you know, less intimidating. Well, it's quicker too. Yeah. It's definitely quicker. That's fantastic. I want to. Yeah, I think so too. We're talking right now, and, uh, everyone. Oh. I want to I want to give everyone a chance to chime into our conversation. We are talking right now with David Rosebud Spare, a housing attorney and chair of the Landlord and Tenant Issues Committee for the City of Madison. He's talking to us with cha about changes uh, that are taking place, and he's going to let us know when they start in a minute um, in the City of Madison for rent abatement issues. 
what's your experience? I would love to hear from people about their experience as a tenant, as a landlord, dealing with rent abatement uh, and damages in their property. Area code 608 256 2001. Extension 9 is the number to call. We have Rochelle in the studio. We have Megan in the studio. They are ready for your calls at area code 608 256 2001. Extension 9. Um, so, Rosebud, when does this take place? Is it is it in effect right now or is there a starting date? Uh, it's in effect right now. However, um, as you would imagine, uh, running a program like this involves lots of uh, paperwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's forms. Logistics. Logistics. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, a lot of people at the city who are entering the data. When you call, they'll have like a, a form on their computer that they enter the data in and, you know, changing the forms to uh, describe the process so that when things get mailed out to tenants and landlords, it says the right stuff. Uh, so, so we're in the process of having the IT staff at the city uh, rework all the, you know, the forms and the computer interfaces so that this switch will actually be functional. Fantastic. Uh, so that's the, that we're in that stage. Uh, it's entirely been adopted, but uh, you know, that other part of it has to happen before it can really begin. The administrative uh, so, implementation, uh, yes. Maybe a month or two at the most. And then it'll be fully functional. So do you want to talk to us about other changes? So we talked about uh, the fact that it's automatic. We talked about that it's automatic rent abatement and the landlord can uh, challenge that. Uh, to say that it should have been a lower amount or perhaps no amount, amount at all. And the tenant can also maybe not challenge it, but request that it actually be extended for a longer time. And that's burden on the tenant to provide evidence. So there's there's sort of a give and take on both sides. What are other changes that have happened? Um, that That's a big description of the changes. Uh, another change that's was actually a little prior to this one is that uh, previously, um, while almost every, well, everything in the building code that was somehow health and safety related was eligible for abatement, uh, two things that were significant were not, uh, which was mold Yes. Or lead paint issues. Uh, And the reason for that is that those are uh, part of the uh, public health uh, ordinance. They're not part of building inspection. Uh, And so public health could try to deal with them, but you couldn't get rent abatement for them. Uh, But now uh, that has changed and those have been added in. And now the health department. uh, So like when that kind of issue comes up, the health department goes out and they issue an order, but then that clicks right back into rent abatement. Nice. So it's, you know, like abatable, just like, you know, the the deadbolt lock on my front door is broken. It's just like that. Especially because mold is such a tricky thing to document and to prove. Is that something that the building inspectors are able to really investigate whether there actually is mold in property? Well, well, that was the issue is the building inspectors are not trained to do that. Yeah. Uh, and so they always said, we, you know, we don't know what we're doing. We're not doing that. We're just calling the, um, you know, the health department. Gotcha. Uh, so, so now the health inspectors, they are trained to do that and they do have equipment to measure that and document that. And so now they have bought into this and they are set up to, you know, come out and be be part of the whole rent abatement process on those two issues. I love the I love that so many times we talk about uh, in, in everything we do in politics, it's God, we need to do this. OK, add this to your list of skills. And I love that the solution to this was, yes, we need uh, a better understanding of how to. Uh, assess 
an issue if there is actually an issue of mold. But it's not that we need to better train our building inspectors. We have trained individuals. We need to work cooperatively uh, with them to uh, make sure we already use the resources we have. I, I appreciate that right. solution. That solution is, isn't always the one that comes up. That's, that's pretty fabulous. Um, I didn't know that yeah. one. When did that take yeah. a pl- take effect? Uh, half a year ago or so, I feel like yeah, I heard yeah, about it. nine months ago, maybe, something like that. So are there other issues now, Rosebud, that the committee uh, still hopes to work with, um, even that didn't make it through the ordinance amendment process? It's, it's really fun to go on, if you go to the city of Madison, Legistar, and you look at old um, minutes from your meetings over the over the past year, and you can see the, uh, the lengthy list of recommendations and discussions, and right, this is the legislative process. Some things move through, and some things don't. Some things are getting worked on internally, and, and all of these ups and downs. Are there other things that are still on the... Um, landlord-tenant issues committees played, or are they now waiting to see how the implementation of these changes go? Yeah, we got two things we're uh, working on now. Okay. Uh, one of them is uh, manufactured home parks. Oh, goodness. Um, and uh, it's uh, of particular interest to uh, get on top of this because uh, I can't remember the date, but I, I think it's uh, later this year is the town of Madison becomes gobbled up by the city of Madison and and uh, Fitchburg. Yes. Gets divided between the two. And so, uh, you know, soon enough, uh, what is now the town of Madison will be the city of Madison. Uh, and those uh, geographic areas happen to include uh, a couple of manufactured home parks. Uh, so uh, I think there's three or maybe four in the city right now and then there'll be several more uh really soon and i i want to remind everyone that's listening to us when you say manufactured home that's also sometimes known as mobile home but manufactured home is really the correct term but but if people more colloquially know it as mobile homes that's what we're talking about yes that's what we're talking about and and then the difference why i keep making sure i don't say mobile right uh, is that they simply are not mobile. Correct. Um, and uh, in the past, uh, it was the case that, you know, you were able to like uh, have a, you know, like a, the front part of a semi, uh, the tractor part, uh, pull a home into a, a park and, uh, you know, park it there and connect to utilities and bang, there you are. And then you could hook it back up and move it to a different part. Right, if you want. right. So when the landlord and, said you can't be here anymore, not that it's an easy ordeal to move, but it was a doable thing. Now that's not the same conversation when you're talking about manufactured homes. Right, They're, they still can be moved, uh, but it it's very much more complicated than it used to be because the houses are larger and more uh, elaborate, I guess. Uh, and uh, it costs like, you know, a good 5000 or more to move a home. Which could be more than the home is worth or a very considerable percentage of the home's worth. It's a worth. very considerable amount of money. So, yeah. so they just aren't really mobile. Uh, so anyway, we're looking at uh, what can we regulate uh, in those parks uh, to make, make it fairer for uh, both the tenants and the landlords. And uh, one of the concerns there is uh, that if a a tenant, uh, the way it works is the tenant rents the space upon which the home sits, but they own the home. Right. Uh, And so if there is some dispute with the landlord and the landlord evicts the tenant from the spot upon which the home sits, they have to move their home. Uh, And so that's- Not an easy ordeal, right. Yeah. And so that uh, right now, uh, it's just the same as any other eviction, and you just have to move out lickety-split, but you can't really move your home. And so what happens with it? It's, you know, a a many thousand dollar investment for people who own it, uh, and they can't just move it easily, and maybe uh, they don't even have a place to move it to, uh, and you can't just like move it wherever. 
so we're looking at that. Um, Great. And the other thing we're looking into is uh, protections against retaliation uh, that tenants uh, are faced with. And that comes up with rent abatement. Absolutely. Uh, people are afraid to take advantage of it for fear the landlord will retaliate. Uh, and it's uh, very clearly uh, identified as illegal for landlords to do that. Uh, and there's uh, penalties and double damages and attorney's fees uh, shifted. So the landlord has to pay the tenant's attorney's fees. Uh, but it's still a involved court process. And uh, we're trying to see what can we do to make the protection, uh, you know, as good as it can be. Uh, the Department of Civil Rights has gotten involved uh, as investigators on behalf of the city attorney's office. Uh, that's a new thing that's... Huh, when there's allegations of retaliation? And, right. Uh, I'm not sure how long that's been in process. Maybe only six months. It's pretty new. Um, and so we're, we're just looking at that some more to, uh, see exactly how it's working and kind of oversee it, how it develops, uh, make sure that really works. And that, that's about what we're working on right now. In all of this, is there, uh, an effort by the committee to do outreach, uh, right. You're here on our show. It's so good to have you again. Yeah. You, Rosebud was the one that reached out to me and said, we need to have this conversation. Um, I'm learning along with the listeners. So this is just really fantastic to have it all, uh, to have you here. And is there not just an, an intent to do outreach in public media, but specific outreach to landlords in different communities so that they're aware of this? What What's the plan? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's about the plan. <laughs> Is that uh, we it's wanted a good plan. to reach to you know various uh, communities and um, also uh, like there's the neighborhood resource teams. Uh, we're going to meet with them and talk with them about it. Tenant resource center. Uh, so myself and uh, Jose Maria, uh, who is the head of building inspection. Uh, the two of us are going to start going out to various places and uh, educating them on this program. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we, we're hoping they would be like as soon as now, but, but they haven't gotten all the technical glitches worked out. Uh, so we're going to probably be doing that in September. That's really exciting work. We're talking right now with uh, David Rosebud Sparer, a housing attorney and chair of the Landlord and Tenant Issues Committee for the City of Madison. We're talking about changes that the Landlord and Tenant Issues Committee uh, worked on and helped spearhead through the City of Madison, uh, rent abatement changes, but just all the changes that are happening and work that's being done. If you want to join the conversation, we would love to have you at area code 608 256 2001 extension 9. Uh, Rose, but I did talk at the top of the hour when we kicked off the show about how it is also, right, tenant move in and move out time, uh, certainly downtown and the city of Matt, uh, UW housing, but it, it's, it's bigger than that. Would you would you find that that's true? I, I have found that when people want to move to Madison in the summer, they have a hard time finding housing, even if they're nowhere near the university, because so much of housing is on the August 15th to August 15th one year lease schedule. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to mention a couple of uh you know, lease turnover issues. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I have a whole list. I want to hear your list first. Uh, but like, um, I think the big thing, you know, kind of thinking about rent abatement is uh, that a landlord has an obligation to tell you about a building code. Like if they've been cited for building code violations while they're uh, showing it to you for rent, uh, they have to tell you that that's ah. the case. Um, in addition, uh, there's this uh, statewide code, the uh, Consumer Protection Code, uh, ATCP 134. Uh, and one of the things it says is that 
uh, a landlord has to uh, tell you about problems that they know about or that they could know about based on a reasonable inspection, uh, which means they have an obligation to inspect. They can't just sit there with their you know, eyes covered and their ears covered and say, I didn't know anything. Uh, they have to just do a reasonable inspection. Uh, and so if there's problems with the uh, plumbing or the electrical or the heating uh, or anything that poses a substantial hazard to the health or safety of the tenant, they have to tell you about it. Uh, so obviously, if they tell you, then there you go. Uh, you can choose to live there anyway. They can promise that they'll get it repaired by a date that satisfies you. Uh, but if they, uh, you know, kind of defraud you and don't tell you about these problems, uh, this code allows you to sue the landlord for compensation uh, for being defrauded. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, generally, the way to figure out how much you get in compensation is uh, the rent abatement. Looking at the rent abatement, which right, brings yeah. us full circle of how often I find that um, I cite that even when I'm not in the city of Madison, because it's so thorough and really breaks down sm even small things that are just as important as big things, right? Rent, uh, heat, rather heat, and there are so many big issues, but small things like no win no screens on the windows so that you can't get ventilation without you know bugs coming into the property that that's not an okay standard right the rent abatement for that right. is much much right. less than not having a working stove or a working toilet or working heat but it's still part of the conversation of what basic human living requires yeah right Talk and then, uh, yeah go also, ahead um so so say uh, the landlord does tell you about problems or, you know, you're, you know, inspecting the place or right when you move in, uh, the landlord says, come sign the lease. And you say, hey, wait a minute, but, you know, this window is broken. And they say, oh, I, I'll fix that for you. Uh, they are obligated to put that in writing. Okay. And they are obligated to tell you, I will fix it by date such and such, whatever it is. And uh, they have to do that. Uh, and then uh, it's a violation of that same uh, ATCP 134 if they don't repair it by the date they promised to repair it. And can you be entitled to rent abatement if the tenant before you was entitled to rent abatement for these issues? Does it sort of carry over? It, it does carry over uh, if the repair isn't made. Okay. Right. And so rent abatement you know, like there'll be an award uh, after a hearing or after the inspector says it's not fixed. And that obviously covers up to that date, but a bit abatement continues to apply until uh, the city comes and inspects and says, yes, indeed, it's repaired. Until it's cleared. That and is so really helpful to months know. Months and months, then, then months and months. Okay. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, just that is so good to know that, okay, it can go that long. It's like, yep, you can't just stop it just because you switch tenants. If there's an issue in the property, it's an issue of the property. Yeah. Then the other thing, of course, is security deposit. Yes. Talk to us about um, that. Yeah. So that's the, the other side. That's like you're leaving the place and you used to live there, but now you're leaving. Uh, so the, the landlord is required both by city of Madison ordinance and uh, the state law uh, to uh, within 21 days, so that's three weeks of the date you move out, they have to uh, either return your full deposit or uh, send you an itemized list of charges against your deposit. And, you know, it's like they take half the deposit, they have to give you the other half. So they have to do that in 21 days. And if they don't do it within 21 days, uh, then they simply absolutely owe you double the entire deposit uh, plus have to pay your attorney's fees. And uh, that's the state law. And a question that I get a lot is, how do you know when your apartment is clean? You're moving out and mm -hmm. do you have to... 
Do you have to wash the windows? Do you have to, you know, steam clean the carpet? Do you have to do all of these things? Or what? what is what is the standard of clean so that the landlord doesn't charge you time for cleaning the apartment, which is mm-hmm. right. Legitimately, the landlord has to provide a clean to the next tenant. So the landlord has a right to these to reimbursement for cleaning that they have to do. But, it, but sometimes it gets so tricky of what is clean and what isn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say there's a clear example or a mm-hmm. clear description of that. Um, other than perhaps to say, uh, you know, what, what the law says is that you have to return it in as good a condition as it was given to you. So that means like when you move in, you should document how clean or dirty it is uh, so that you can show, well, here's how I got it. So it's okay that I return it in the same condition. Uh, And then they say less normal wear and tear. Uh, So say you lived in a place for five years, um, you know, there'd just be some wear and tear to like carpeting or, you know, maybe uh, there'd be a little need for some painting here and there. Uh, less over one year than five years, but that's that's the rule on that. And was there a, sp- a specific provision, I thought, once upon a time, specifically about carpet cleaning, and then that got overridden, overridden by the state? Yeah, because um, it, it used to be that you, you couldn't uh, force tenants to, uh, you know, like steam clean or Uh, have like a professional cleaning of the carpet uh, just as a routine thing. Uh, You could have and require the tenant to return a clean carpeted apartment, return it clean at the end, uh, but you wouldn't be allowed to say, you know, no matter how clean it is, you have to get it, um, you know, professionally recleaned. And are you allowed to say that now? Now, now they can say that. Okay. As long as that was how it was given to you in the first place. Right. Yep. I want to talk to you about sort of what happens when you don't move out. Your lease has ended and here you are. You're still there. Now what happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, the landlord could file an eviction action against you, right? You know, like you're supposed to move out August 15th. You're still there on the 16th. Uh, the landlord could file an eviction action against you on the 16th uh, because you're still there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that could happen. Uh, However, say the landlord is actually okay about having you stay, uh, but they just aren't the greatest with paperwork and they don't have a new lease, but, but there you are and you paid the rent and they kept the rent and nobody's really clear what's going on. Uh, What the law says is that you have become a month to month tenant at that point. Um, And the terms of your lease apply, uh, even though there is nothing signed that, you know, renewed it. uh, But the terms of the lease apply, except that it's now a month to month tenancy. And that's where I love that because it can get really tricky if the tenant stays. They're like, I just I couldn't find a place I needed to stay an extra month and they stay and then they paid their rent. And then they are like, "Whoo, I I stayed too long and now I finally left. Well, if you become a month to month tenant, you can't just leave on the spot now, nor can the landlord make you just leave on the spot. Right, right. You got it. And uh you know, just uh, so people know the, the month's notice, it's months to months, you know, so you got to give a month's notice. Uh, but it's act, it isn't actually just a month. It, it's like a calendar month. Right. So uh, you have to give notice a month before the rent payment date. Almost everybody pays rent on the first or else the 15th. And so it'd be a month before those days. So if you actually it's it's 28 days, it isn't actually a month, uh, you know, which is just to make it work for February. February. (laughs) The little outlier of February. Um, But so, for example, we're talking right now on Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. So if someone were in a month to month lease that paid on the first of the month and gave 
The landlord gave the tenant or the tenant gave the landlord a one month, a 28 day notice. I'm moving out in 28 days. You actually would owe rent through the end of September because 28 days from now is past September 1st. That's right. right. Yep. What happens if you moved out, but you didn't really make it clear to the landlord that you moved out? You didn't return your keys. You sort of left some things behind. How How is it clear and is it important for a tenant to communicate that they've moved out? Yeah, it is because the landlord could say, I, I didn't become aware that you'd moved till, you know, after the rent payment date. And then all of a sudden you owe another month's rent and the 28 days might mean you owe rent for the month after that. Right. Um, and, uh, so I'd say you'd want to, you know, have some written something that you send to the landlord saying you're moving and return the keys. Uh, the ideal thing would be to have a, you know, like a little walkthrough or a little key exchange with the landlord or something where it's really clear. Uh, but if you don't do anything and you simply leave, uh, you know, that's, that's risky. You aren't, you aren't sure whether you're really going to get out of owing any future rent. Now, of course, if the landlord uh, re-rents it and finds a new tenant, then well, then they, they've got the new tenant instead and you don't owe rent money. Uh, but, you know, you don't know if that'll happen. Right. It's always sort of dangerous, especially people leave things behind. And I get cases like that all the time where they said, but I left. Well, how did the landlord know you left if you didn't text them or email them or or something where you can document, hey, I'm out. Like, even if you didn't return your keys, well, then they have to remake the keys and they'll take that out of your security deposit or, or charge you for that. But you're gone to, to sort of differentiate between that. Yeah, that's really good yeah. advice. Um, and the law changed, uh, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago about leaving stuff behind. Yes. Talk uh, to us about that. It used to be that um, if you left stuff behind, uh, the landlord uh, could send you a notice and say, if you don't pick this up, I'm going to dispose of it. Uh, but they'd have to give you 30 days notice uh, before they did so. Uh, or they could send you notice and say, well, I'm going to store it, uh, but I'm going to charge you mm-hmm. uh, until you pick it up. Uh, that was the old law. Under the new law, uh, the landlord at their own discretion uh, unilaterally can decide, oh, they just abandoned this. Like, you know, you, you left like a, an old pizza in the in the refrigerator. Right. You know, and they said, that's just garbage. I don't have to hold it 30 days. Uh, but now uh, the landlord can make that determination about anything. Uh, and it's just their right to do so. So you left your couch and your bed uh, and your stereo there, and you were going to come back later to get it. Um, the landlord can say, I'm deciding that you abandoned it, so I can do whatever I want with it. Uh, in fact, I can give it to my brother. Um, and that's that's how it is. And that that's the law right now. Right. Which is why it's so, so important to have communication of, I moved out, but I still want to get my things. Will you let me get them? Or or something where if there are challenges, right? Step one, it's always good to have the law. But step one is maybe you can work something out with each other. The landlord communicates to the tenant. The tenant communicates to the landlord. Sometimes if you say, I just need an extra day. I couldn't carry this. Sometimes the other side will say, okay, I will give you a day. Or we'll work something out. Um, you never know. Right. Got to communicate. Well, Rosebud, I wanted to ask you one more question because I feel like this comes up all the time. What happens when you have multiple roommates that sign a lease and then you want to get out of the lease? You don't want to move in to where you had signed a lease. Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. That's a tough one because you signed the lease and... Uh, typically, uh, leases say uh, that all the tenants, uh, the, all several of them, are what's called jointly and severally liable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means everybody's liable for the entire amount that's owed. Uh, so, 
you know, like say you are one of four people who signed a lease and you don't want to move in, uh, you know, you're responsible for that lease and the landlord can sue you, uh, your fellow roommates can sue you. Um, on the other hand, the other people are responsible for the lease too, and the landlord can uh, say to them, well, I don't care that, you know, this one person didn't move in, uh, the rest of you are responsible for this money. So you got to pay up or I'm going to evict you people, even though you're paying your one quarter. Right. Uh, so that creates, you know, obviously you're not going to have good friends if you do that. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, a thing to look at too. I always, uh, yeah, the roommate questions are always the trickiest of so many logistics and who's responsible to who. And the landlord can say, I don't care which of you pay me or you, if one of you pay me or the whole thing or you divide it up by four. If there's four of you, I don't care. You all owe to me. But then there gets issues between each other and who is responsible to the other. Always so tricky. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. tricky. Well, in our final minute here, Rosebud, any final words or things that you want to make sure our listeners uh, take away from our conversation today? Uh, just to encourage people to actually uh, take actions to assert your rights, because um, the you know like the whole rent abatement thing is going to be soon enough switched around so it's easier for tenants, uh, but you still have to take the steps to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, these things uh, about like when you move in, making sure landlords tell you about it, well, you got to stand up for your, your right to do that. Um, and just to, you know, do that rather than allow problems to simply persist and go on and on. Yeah. Uh, How it's really important to do it. Everybody's helping each other out by doing that. How and how can people learn more? Is there a website? Is there a website for the city of Madison building inspector or how do they know where to go to learn all of these things? Well, the tenant resource center, um, TRC, they have, you know, a website with just, you know, tons of information on it. Hooray TRC. Um, and yeah, the, the building inspector, uh, also has a website with lots of information about, um, you know, the rent abatement program. Uh, and there's a staff person whose job it is, uh, you know, that's their principal job is people call to make a complaint and maybe they have to get rent abatement. Uh, it's kind of like a receptionist in a sense, uh, cause they're the ones who answer the phone on, on this issue. But, uh, but that's right now it's this woman, Amanda, and, you know, she knows her stuff. And... Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, uh, well, thank answer lots of questions. Well, Rosebud, thank you so much for talking with us and sharing all the work that you have been uh, part of and the city of Madison has been working on. Thank you for joining us today. We've been talking with David Spare. It's always good talking with you, uh, David Spare, David Rosebud Spare, housing attorney, chair of the Landlord and Tenant Issues Committee for the City of Madison. And I want to thank everyone for joining us today. We will see you again next week. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to.